Welcome to the Maximum Theater and Performance Podcast. This is Jose Solis. We're kickstarting Pride Month by speaking to Brandon Higginson, star of the off-Broadway smash Afterglow. Brandon has been on the show for a year and has some anecdotes about being part of one of the biggest hits in recent off-Broadway history, as well as some drag race insight. Enjoy the show. We are here today with Brandon Higginson of Afterglow. Brandon, thank you for joining us. How are Thanks you? for having me. I'm well. How are you? I'm pretty great. Okay. So, Brandon, what is Afterglow for the two people out there who <laughs> haven't seen it? Yeah. So, Afterglow is a one-act play about uh, Josh and Alex. They're a married couple, been married for about four years, and they open their relationship up. And um, at first, everything is casual and everything is going great. And as the play unfolds, feelings come up and things get a little complicated. And um, so they have to, you know, dance on this knife edge between love and sex. And uh, it kind of explores the boundaries of an open relationship, which a lot of people honestly are trying to do right now. That's more than fair. (laughs) The... Afterglow is going to be one of those extremely rare plays on, you know, off Broadway, on Broadway, off of Broadway, anywhere in New York that's going to make it through a whole year, which is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, like, it's been really incredible. Um, we were supposed to run for eight weeks and we were extended for two weeks and then two weeks became two months. And then we've sort of we've sort of been running and running and with the word getting out, um, not only about how daring the play is and how many boundaries it pushes, um, I didn't mention yet that the play features nudity, and that's actually how the play starts. Um, and it's very clear from all the advertising, you know, that that it it's about this couple and you get to see them at their most intimate moments. And so that definitely draws people in. That's great. But the reason people come back and the reason people tell their friends to come is because of how universal it is is because of how everyone can see themselves in the show see themselves in these three characters as they sort of uh try to figure out how to make an open relationship work in a way that you see a lot of people trying to do it right now you know what i mean it's it's really something that people are doing opening up their marriages and it's, it can be a beautiful thing, you know, pushing those boundaries, but there, when you set a boundary, even if you've pushed it, that boundary is still there. You know what I mean? That rule kind of still exists. And so when you dance on it and maybe cross over it a little bit, then, you know, what are the consequences of that? So everyone leaves thinking about something. And so I think that's the reason that people have been coming back and that we've made it this far. Yeah. Did Josh, you know, was Josh your only choice? Like, did they ask you to play Josh specifically or did you get the script and they were like, pick one? Yeah, honestly, when I read the breakdown, I connected with Alex, but that's literally just from three sentences about the character. But Alex was, um, uh, Alex is the logical one. Josh is the emotional one. And Darius uh, is the one that, kind of operates like from physical love he feels the most you know what I mean he's a massage therapist so they come from three very different ways of thinking um but once I got the scenes to audition with I realized that Josh was the character I wanted to be and I've actually always felt really at home with him um but it would be fun to see how Alex or Darius felt 
You know what I mean? Right. They yeah. should do like a night where everybody... <laughs> where we just pick a roll out of a hat and just play it, yeah. Because the younger study... <laughs> Well, and that's just the thing. We have a swing who understudies all three roles. And I don't know how he does it. It's crazy because it's three very different energies. You know what I mean? There's three different love stories happening at one time. Um, But uh, but he does a great job. It's really it's it's incredible to like put yourself in the middle of a scene and see it from three different ways. Yeah. Is there anything about Josh? Because you, you know, by July, you're going to have. Uh, you will have played Josh for over a year straight. Mm-hmm. Is there anything about Josh that you still don't understand that you wish you were like, dude, like what's, what's, what's going on here? Um, Josh has to, Josh makes a couple of decisions in the play that, um, that everyone does stupid things when they're in love, honestly. And we all have moments in the play where we can hear the audience just go, Oh, like honestly we really do and um and that happens when you're in love and that happens when you're trying to negotiate what you want with what you need and um honestly when I first started rehearsing it I was like well why would Josh do this you know what I mean like why would you know Alex at one point says I need you to stop seeing Darius and he I, I fight him on it you know what I mean and there are shows where Joe looks at me with tears in his eyes and he asks you, I need you to stop doing this, but you know what I mean? What about what I want? What about what I need? And when I just say that out loud, it doesn't make sense. But when you're in it and you're, you're, you're trying to hold on to everything that you've been given or think that you've earned, it's, you know, you're putting yourself on the line and it makes sense when you're in the moment. And so there's things about Josh that off the page, I was like, no, dude, how can you do this? And then when you're doing it every night, eight times a week, those choices absolutely make sense. You know what I mean? And you make the same foolish wrong turn every night, but it, it's, it still feels like, yeah, this is what happens when it's happening for the first time. And Josh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but Josh seems like the character in the play that's most like written with guilt. And you know, like by the end of the play, again, no spoilers, but you, you know, like the, the, I've seen the play a couple of times mm-hmm. and in the end, like your yeah. face is always like, holy fuck, <laughs> what have I unleashed? Yeah. At the Josh starts off the show. I mean, the way Josh has always been, he is the kind of person who generally gets what he wants, not because he's entitled or not because he's manipulative, but just because He's very good at communicating. He's very good at reading other people. He's very good at pushing other people's buttons, not in a bad way, but just because he knows what makes the people around him tick. And when he starts to make a couple decisions that affect, you know, his husband or his boyfriend or will inadvertently affect the people around him, he's honestly surprised and he wants to fix it. But when you make unfixable mistakes, that's where Josh doesn't understand you know, how, well, how do we fix this? How do we just go back? How can I change it back? How can I, you know, we go back to before and, and the answer is often, no, we can't. And, um, that honestly surprises him. You know, uh, if Josh gets into a car crash, it's always someone else's fault. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And yeah, so, so it's, um, to do that every single night is really, it's, I mean, it's sometimes it's, it's difficult to crash the car every night. It really is. But, um, 
it's it's about just learning what makes a marriage tick, what what makes other people tick, and about the consequences of your actions. Mm. And he's never he's never been held fully accountable for his actions like this before. When a baby's on the way, you know what I mean. When his husband is relying on him because they're starting a base for this family, you have to the game changes. You know what I mean. You every every action you take has a counteraction. And he's he's kind of discovering that right. in the uh, story. As Asher, the, the the playwright, yes, has spoken before. He's very open about how autobiographical the play is. Yes, and I wonder is Josh then you know, is Asher's like so Josh avatar. is actually um, Asher's story. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh is Asher, and um, it's it's a really beautiful thing because Asher. Um, and his husband, Mati Gelman, um, have been together and are still together. They actually just came to see the show last night. And um, so their story ends beautifully because it's still going. You know what I mean? And um, this story, um, for Asher and Mati, I think there was a moment in time for them where they wondered, they saw the car crashing ahead of time and they stopped it. They love each other very much and they, you know what I mean? Put an end to whatever that situation was and kept moving on with their life. Mm -hmm. And I think we're telling a story at Afterglow about what, what are the permanent consequences of those actions? Mm -hmm. What happens, you know, when, when you do something, when you, for example, <laughs> pay someone's rent without telling your husband, you know what I mean? Like when that happens, uh, what are going to be the ramifications of that in the future? I was reading, I'm not sure if you've read the book about angels in America that came out this year, The World Only Spins Forward. No. And if you haven't, I highly Got recommend it. it. So I was reading just yesterday, actually, that when uh, Tony Kushner was getting ready to move the show to Broadway, mm -hmm. he was having a really hard time, even before moving the show to Broadway, he was having a, he was having a really hard time with the character of um, Lewis because mm -hmm. he felt, you know, he never said it, but he felt that he was Lewis. So oh. he was never happy with the actors or how the actors were playing, you know, quote unquote him because he wouldn't openly say, it's me. Like I want, you know, I want this to be a certain way. Right. And right. You know, what's funny is that Asher actually kind of said the same thing in writing Afterglow. He didn't want to bend his reality too much in putting it on the page. And um, so in, in editing Afterglow, in rehearsing it, there were choices that we would make that had to be antithetical to how his story you know, continued with Mati. You know what I mean? Um, because Asher was inspired by his whole life, but it is semi-autobiographical. You know what I mean? It does take, our story takes a turn towards the end that is very different. And so, um, yeah, I can see how when you're writing something that's based on your life, the freedom comes in putting it on its feet and having other people step into your shoes so that they can finish the rest of the, the rest of how you want to show the world this story for you, right? Yeah. And when you originate a part, I guess in some ways also a part of you becomes part of the character. When people associate with the character, so if after it glows done, 
I don't know, in Los Angeles or wherever it's done. <laughs> and if you see it, maybe there's going to be the actor might have acquired some brand and qualities to it. And I wonder if, you know, your friends and family, when they come see the show, do they ever go, Brandon, that, you know, like that thing with Josh is so you. Yeah, there definitely are things about Josh that I had to train myself to do. There are... Um, there's a moment that I love at the beginning of one of my scenes with Joe Chisholm, who plays Alex, where he comes in. Hey, babe, how was your day? Oh, it was fine. It was bad. And, and I touch his shoulder and I try, I try to get something out of him. I want to kiss. I want something. And he clearly isn't in a place. He's just venting about his day. And that was something I had to train myself to do was to push him and push him and try to push new buttons and find new buttons to push until he breaks. And he says, I need a minute. You know what I mean? And it sort of, it sort of, it sort of stops everything. And um, that, that's something that I had to teach myself about Josh is that if someone doesn't give him something he wants, he just finds this other little thing. You know what I mean? He just like tries to go another way. He tries to um, push a different button. You know what I mean? And, um, and so I don't know if I've, if I've learned that and taken it into my life, but I probably inadvertently have, you know what I mean? I do it eight times a week. And so now I'm, <laughs> I'm probably something who, someone who wants an answer from someone right now when I want it. <laughs> are you the only actor who's been with the play the entire time? Yeah. You, are, right? you know, what's funny is actually yesterday was, um, a year ago yesterday was when we started rehearsing. Happy birthday. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, Afterglow. It's really cool. Yeah. Asher and I were reminiscing about um, reading the first draft of it and getting it on its feet. And um, it's crazy how far we've come. But yeah, I'm, uh, I've been doing it for a year. And, um, but at this point, the guys that I'm, I'm doing it with now have been doing it anywhere from... They started uh, four months ago to eight months ago. You know what I mean? So we all, the beautiful thing about doing this show, just from a, like, doing a show perspective, is that I, I really get to be in the trenches with the two other actors I'm on stage with and really, like, go through this really emotional, tumultuous story every single night, and it brings us really close together. Yeah, I'm really close with the two guys I'm doing it now. Right, it's really yeah. tacky to uh, to name names, but Angels in America. <laughs> uh, but you know, there's this there's this thing where often we'll see straight cis male actors playing, you know, gay characters or trans people on stage or on film or on television, and then you will always see them patting themselves on the back for. Ooh, I'm straight and I'm so brave because I'm kissing a man on stage. <laughs> right. Which is, I find it really revolting. And one of the beautiful things about Afterglow is that the actors and obviously the playwright, you're all openly gay. Yes. So having worked as an actor with, you know, straight people also, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the, the creative process and what are some of the, I'm assuming, beautiful things about knowing that even when you're preparing, to play the part you are in a safe space where you can talk about all these things without you know people right. judging you or not understanding where you're coming from right that's the whole thing is that all of us um being gay at least on stage there is a vocabulary um mostly a physical vocabulary and also an emotional vocabulary about um 
the way we get along, the way we hold each other, the uh, different arguments and little jokes that we have. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's when it's that easy to get along with someone because you just, boom, understand everything about each other, um, then, then it's easy to tell the story. Ironically, telling a universal story like this, I think works so well because the three of us on stage are gay. And so, you know, it is, although it's a universal message, it is a gay story. And so I think as deeply as we can get into that beautiful thing about each other, then I think the better that we can tell this story to gay people and straight people and cis and everyone. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of it's being uh, talked about these days, especially after the election about safe spaces and all yeah. that. And Afro yeah. is in many ways a safe space for yes. for queer people. But earlier you mentioned that you were surprised when straight people started showing up. And I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, sometimes people have prejudice or bias because of their ignorance. So I wonder if you have, you know, straight people come to you after the show and ask you things that you're like, you know, that might sound because we would know about them because we're gay, but they have no idea like that you can for instance, have open relationships. Right. I don't think I actually, because people come to the show, just the fact that they are there means they're open, means they're ready to receive the story that we're going to tell them. And so I haven't received any questions like that about like, That's why right. would you open a relationship? Why would you, you know what I mean? I mean, there's a couple wrong turns that we take in the middle of the play and there's definitely like, there was a woman after a show once that there's, she kind of had this, well, look what happens attitude. You know what I mean? With, you know, with <laughs> something that falls apart in the middle of the show. But what was cool was we did a women's night and um, we had an audience of all women. And I personally was, that's the most nervous I've ever been to do a show because it made me hear all of my lines in a different way. It made me think, how, what is this for, for a purely female perspective? How is this going to be? And it was actually my favorite audience we've ever performed for. It was the most fun night. I mean, and you could hear them. They were the smartest audience we've had. You can hear them. There's a couple jokes that unfold kind of slowly and you could hear them laughing before the punchline. And, um, uh, Towards the end, I thought they would be more emotional because they had been so receptive the entire show, but they actually, although they were still with us, they didn't seem as affected by the end of the show because they had guessed a lot of the turns before they had happened. <laughs> It was really, really interesting. It was my favorite night. Yeah. There's also something that really caught my, my attention when I, when I saw the show, uh, And, you know, I've seen the show when it was a two act. I've seen the show yes. as one act. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've seen all the versions, I think, so far. Yeah. And one of the things that really caught my attention was something else. Like, I go to the theater pretty much every night. And, you know, stories about queer people are still relatively new, sadly, mm -hmm. to the mainstream. Like, we don't see plays or movies or anything very often about queer people. And when we do, they're about, you know, someone who's going to come out and they're terrified. Right. Or there's some sort of like horrible tragedy where everyone dies in the end. And Afterglow definitely isn't that. But one thing that the stories 
queer stories, when we see them in fiction nowadays, is that they all focus on white queer people. Mm. And even though, you know, all the actors in Afterglow are obviously white, <laughs> the audiences were not. And that's right. something that I thought was really special because, you know, I've seen shows on Broadway that are about gay people, but mm -hmm. the entire audience is like, you know, older gay men. Right. White gay men. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about what uh, probably there's no such thing as a traditional like audience, like the audience changes every night. But I've seen it like every time I went, there were people from all ethnic backgrounds and from all culture. I think the reason that a lot of people are coming to see it right now is you can tell from the marketing, you can tell from word of mouth that Afterglow is really a play that needs to be done right now. It's really a play that belongs in 2018 and is, is about love right now. And I think so the kinds of people that are coming are all progressive. It's literally all different kinds of people that just want to hear a story about love right now. And so I think it's inclusive in that regard, yeah. People are always asking you about a musical version of After <laughs> I know when I spoke to you last year, <laughs> I was also asking you guys about it. And something that, you know, like just earlier when I was like, just like looking at interviews that you've done, it suddenly hit me, you know, because of that really catchy, because, you know, like that bass line and the, the score. Oh, the God, play, I love the music, yeah. I'm like, you know, like a Depeche Mode style musical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some like EDM. There's some yeah. like the, the beat drops a lot at Afterglow. Yeah. A, a musical version would be awesome. There would be no jazz hands. It would be real contemporary, you know. Like, yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, that choreography would be also something interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of power ballads. There's, defi it's, there's definitely some park and bark happening in Afterglow, the musical. <laughs> I saw also that you played uh, Lumiere. <laughs> How dare you do your research? I know, right? <laughs> so that means that you have a you have a good voice, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, I've done, um, I did a lot of musical theater in my 20s and still am. And, um, and so this is a really, really fun departure from that. It's, it's been really cool to open a character up in this way. You know what I mean? Um, between musical theater and legitimate theater, the process is like so different, just like opening up the character. And um, this is this has been a really fun um, a really fun way to get into a new a new work. Right. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a couple of like super shallow questions. Go for it. Because <laughs> obviously, in order to be on stage, you need to be <laughs> in shape for the most part. Right. But, you know, like when this, when a show like Afterglow has so much nudity, when's the last time you had a bagel? <laughs> well, I'm in New York, so very recently. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our show is actually next to Schmackeries. And that's a really hard no. That's a really hard thing to say no to every day. Yeah. But usually the line's too long, so it's easier. But, um, but um, honestly, it's not, it's not something we think about. I mean, it's something that, you know, when you first book the show, it's like, oh gosh, I have to be naked. But the whole point is not to look good naked. That's not what the nudity in Afterglow is about. It's about like us at our most intimate moments right after sex um, with the person we love. And I, being in shape is actually not part of that right. honestly you know what I mean like yeah we go to the gym because you know you do want to look your best but it's not we don't get naked at auditions there was no nudity at auditions so we're not hired on that um uh, you know that's not a box that they have to tick right. when they're casting us. yeah absolutely yeah. not no yeah 
but you know like something that that was like obviously we all well maybe i'm just like just like projecting here but we all for the most part have like some sort of like body issue at some point and one of the things that i really also appreciated about the show was what you're saying which is not about you know like it's not about like pecs and abs and butts but it's about mm. just being comfortable yeah naked. and i wonder if your own you know perception of like nudity in your own personal life has changed that's something we're sort of like all conditioned to do right it's like oh i'm naked don't but and i realized it when i looked at the um <clears throat> costume renderings um that fabian aguilar did for the show and the first costume is you know we're naked but it's a costume of like you know for a show that features nudity there we each wear like 12 different outfits in the show and being naked is just one of those outfits honestly that's what it feels like and so in my personal life too yeah i guess you know what i mean like walking around naked just is just another state that you're in <laughs> and it's not this event taking off your clothes because the nudity is not an event in the show that's how the show starts so there's no like build up to it there's no anticipation i mean the lights come up and we're naked and that's actually a really beautiful way to start the show because there was even uh, a night where the audience was nude, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Has there been more than one? No, we did have, um, we had a go naked night um, back in, I think, December. And um, that was, right, 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 right. It was cold. It was a cold winter at Afterglow all around. But, um, but I was surprised at how normal that night felt. It really, um, they were, the guys were very receptive. They were a great audience and they were, they're, I mean, they're this amazing group that just likes to explore, you know, being naked, you know, being your most raw, you know, um, your most stripped down state in public. And that's that's a really cool thing. And that was a cool thing to be part of. Um, but in a way, it also felt like any other night of the show. It really was cool. Even the setup in the theater, it's like the audience is seated like right across. Yeah, the that's one of my favorite things about the show is that you have to half the audience has to walk across the stage to get to their seats, and the audience is looking at each other. So it it creates this fly on the wall aspect, but also there's kind of a mirrored thing happening. You're watching other people react either in the same way you're reacting or they're reacting differently. They laugh at something that you thought, you know, didn't quite hit you. And, um, that's a really, I think that's how we go through relationships. I think, you know what I mean? Like we're experiencing the same thing and we look at someone else and they don't experience it the same way or they do. And then there's beauty in that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, I think mirrors um, and seeing yourself in someone else is a huge part of Afterglow. Right. And in yeah. terms of what we were talking about earlier, I just wonder, because I told you before, and I, I don't want to seem like some sort of a creeper, mm. but I've seen you, we live in the same neighborhood, so I've I seen feel you. you on yeah. the subway like a couple of times. Hey, girl. And I'm assuming that every time you're going to the theater. So what's, you know, by now, a year into the show, what's like your pre-show ritual? How do you prepare to go into Josh's skin. Yeah, I mean, it's really relaxing is the most important thing that I can do um, before we turn on some music and do a dance call. Um, the boys and I have a diva of the week and there's like, there's a really fun light cue that, like, that's like a club and we turn that on and we dance. Um, and so that's like a fun thing we get to do together. Um, and then we actually get naked and get on the bed and we're, 
you know, on stage with the sheet around us while the audience walks in. And that's a really nice starting the show with the boys in that state and just sort of um, having a moment with each other and hearing the audience walk in and, you know, get ourselves prepared for what we're about to do just by being together is a really nice way to start the show. Speaking yeah. of divas, this is like a perfect segue <laughs> to talk about. You're going to call me a diva? No, not, not yet. <laughs> but you don't seem like one. But you were, you know, before we started recording, you were telling me, and I'm not sure if anyone out there knows this, but Brandon, can you please tell our listeners why is Thursday your night off? <laughs> We take the, we took Thursdays off for Drag Race. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Yeah. That's so perfect. But you know, anyone who wants to come on a Thursday started coming on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? So it was great. But um, yeah, I just thought it was funny that that that's it's it's both for our demographic that comes to see the show and maybe us too. Right. I mean, by now you you you've made it through an All Stars and like most of season ten already. So mm -hmm. who are you rooting for? <laughs> I love Asia. I love her a lot. And I was so happy that they let her stay last week. I really was. Yeah. 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 Her looks but something. her looks are something else. Yeah. And I mean, share, share week last week really did it for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like who, who's like in your top three right now? I don't know. I don't watch closely enough. I was proud of myself that I came up with Asia, Asia O'Hara. You caught me. I'm not like a I'm not like a diehard drag race fan, but I, I do watch it when I can. Even if I'm wearing a Trixie Mattel shirt right now, I just started. <laughs> Which is a cute shirt, by the way. I it's the cutest. Started, like, all star, so I'm yeah. very new to that. So it's I'm, Trixie Mattel and all her accessories. Right. So I'm glad that you're new to it, also, because mm -hmm. I'm I'm semi new myself. Right. 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 So, you know, you haven't. Oh, yeah. Who's the diva this week at the show? Oh, the uh, we're changing. Shoot, who is it right now? Yesterday it was David's birthday, and he wanted to do Tina Turner. <laughs> so we did What's Love Got to Do With It out of maybe Private Dancer. I can't remember. Yeah, hey, yeah, that's what I said. But, I mean, my favorite diva of the week was Rihanna. She's got so many number one songs. It's nuts, yeah. Do you repeat the divas? Yeah. I mean, we we like to give it months in between, but yeah, we do. Yeah, right, right, right. That's yeah, because otherwise, you know, like no, there. Are, I think there are way more than enough divas to fill like. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, no, but like we have split week divas. We do like a musical theater week. We did a duets week. We did, you know, decades all you know, like the nineties. We did a boy band week. That was the best. Yeah. Another of the shallow questions that I really was curious about is. Is the water in the shower warm? You know, yesterday it was. It was like yesterday. warmer than lukewarm. Oh. Usually that we're we're lucky if we get lukewarm water. It's usually like cool. It's like a sensible like, you know, you get in, get out. I mean, we're showering for yeah, 30 seconds tops. And so, you know, it being good for the skin, the cold water is great. But... <laughs> But especially now that it's summer, yeah. But um, no, but the the water was a little cold in the winter, and now it's warmer. Well, you guys are getting warmer. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. And you know, just to wrap up, and I don't want to, I don't want to make you sad in in advance because oh my gosh, two months. I well, know. no, like a month and a half yeah. to go with the show. But we're coming up on our final weeks. It's yeah. crazy. So are you? Said. You know, how are you planning to say goodbye to Josh? 
Well, the harder part would be saying goodbye to um, the people I'm on stage with, the people that I work with. And that's who that's who I'll be really sad to say goodbye to. Yeah. That's sweet. Maybe you can assemble them and put together a musical afterwards. <laughs> Maybe. We'll just get together and rehearse Afterglow the musical. I know, right? A, a version that we'll be, we'll be doing at Pearl Studios. <laughs> 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 Maybe not in a real theater. Right. We'll also have to catch up on Drag Race. Hey, yes, right. please. Are you guys going to be able to go to the Pride shows? Because you have shows on Sunday, right? Oh, uh, in June? Yeah. Actually, we have Pride Off. Oh, and we are going to participate in Pride as well. Oh, yeah, it'll be Afterglow's second gay Pride. Are yeah, you, it's crazy. Tell me you're going to be like Kylie Minogue's like backup <laughs> dancers. We're actually singing a medley of pop songs about boys. Oh, you are? Yeah, we are. It's so going gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna to be great, yeah. So we're going to finally get to hear you guys sing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Are you yeah. excited about Kylie or is that just... No, I am. I really, I would love to go to Pier Dance and see her. I'm obsessed with her. Have been forever. Yeah. You should. Like, yeah. Before I moved. I heard it's sold out though. It is? I heard. Well, I have a ticket, so I'm sorry. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I, no, I'm the one who's sorry, yeah. Because, yeah, before I moved to New York, uh, I flew two times all the way from Costa Rica just to see Kylie. Wow. So this will be my first wow. Kylie as an official New Yorker. And listeners, that's, you don't really care about this. Probably, so, <laughs> so sorry about that. Uh, uh, Brandon, thank you for joining us and break a leg during the, the rest of the, the run of the show. Thank you so much, Jose. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Maximum Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that are different from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Maximum, and I am at Jose Solis Mayen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. We have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximoisms. You can get to the store via Maximoo.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. Thank you.